Welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, access to transportation is not just about the journey, but the opportunities it creates. Columbus Underground co-founder Walker Evans sat down with the staff at the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission to discuss the plan for Link Us, Central Ohio's strategic transportation initiative. In the three interviews you'll hear today, Walker and his guests focus on investment and impacts of the plan, their focus on equity and input, and explore the infrastructure enhancements that are coming to a route near you. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission, or MORPSI, featuring stories about local and regional partners that envision and embrace innovative directions in economic prosperity, transportation, sustainability, and an inclusive Central Ohio. MORPSI's transformative programming, innovative services, and public policy initiatives are designed to promote and support the vitality and growth in the region. For more information, please visit morpsy.org. Enjoy the interview. To start, do you want to say your name and your title and all that? Hi. Hi. I'm, <laughs> I'm Maria Shopper. I'm the Associate Director of Transportation Planning with the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission. Cool. Um, so for the uninitiated person, can you give us sort of a, a, an easy overview of what Link Us is? Sure. Yes. So Link Us is about connecting people with opportunities. Mm -hmm. And we're connecting people with opportunities via investments in transportation and mobility, as well as creating walkable, connected development to serve all people and bring the opportunities uh, closer together so they're easy to access via all modes of transportation. Cool. Well, I, I know a little bit about how this sort of dates back to the Insight 2050 study. So I, th I think that was published or began in 2014. Yes. Um, that, that's almost 10 years ago <laughs> at this point. And I know there's a lot of work that goes into these sorts of things. Can you maybe walk us through a little bit of the timeline from uh, th that study when it was published and how Linkos was sort of born out of that? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, so yeah, like you said, like 10 years ago, you know, we've, we've known, we, we've been growing for 10 years as a region, we've been expecting to grow, uh, you know, to, out to 2050 for at least 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, back in yeah 2014 timeframe, uh, Morpsey led the region in the Insight 2050 study, which was a study to understand how we grow, and the different ways we grow as a region can impact um, things like land consumption, the environment, uh, the cost of traveling, and um, the cost of living. Basically, mm -hmm. it's all and, interconnected, right? Right, yeah. right. So, um, so we, so that study gave us the information um, in order we needed in order to um, kind of create a strategy of, all right, well, how can we accommodate this growth? We know it's coming. Mm -hmm. um, we can't stop it from coming. So how can we grow um, in a responsible way and accommodate this growth? And so that led to um, the corridor concepts 
study in 2019. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, we took the information we knew from from Insight 2050 and about how these impacts. And basically we looked at, okay, how how can we accommodate this growth by focusing the growth into corridors Mm -hmm. and developing um, around these corridors where we can serve a higher number of people Mm -hmm. uh, via transportation, as well as um, uh, decrease the costs to serve uh, these people, as well as... um, you know, just making uh, living uh, and making accessing different opportunities more affordable. Yeah, um, and, and a lot of those corridors are sort of existing areas of, of density and growth. So it's not about creating new corridors. It's exactly. about sort of building on where you already see success, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, and also as part of that, um, in, within that time frame, you know, we worked, CODA uh, developed what they call their next-gen plan, where they had identified, um, I think, close to 20 corridors that could accommodate rapid transit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, from that, you know, that led into the Insight 2050 corridor concepts, where it kind of narrowed down to um, five or six corridors that um, could you know, best accommodate uh, that growth in, in the transportation um, and then we were able to, um, as a region, fold that into our Metropolitan Transportation Plan, which kind of laid the groundwork for um, how how we might, as a region, might fund the, this type of transportation investment. And uh, so here we are with Link Us, and that Link Us is uh, the implementation of these decade, this decade long planning effort. Nice. Um, you mentioned how a lot of these things are all interconnected from housing to jobs. Um, why, why the focus on transportation? Why is that sort of like the key piece of infrastructure with these types of plans? Well, uh, with transportation, you know, the cost of transportation and getting around, everybody has to move around to access work, education, just their daily needs. And so, um, right now, the way to get around primarily in central Ohio is by owning a car. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that I think today it's, I believe the number is 40% of, wait, well, let me check that number. Sure. Uh, yeah, 40, sorry, 40,000 Franklin County residents lack access to a personal vehicle. Gotcha. And so, you know, that creates barriers to opportunity. And, um, you know, so that we, we know that transportation is a large component of just a household cost, the cost mm-hmm. of living. And mm-hmm. so um, if you can not have to own a car, maintain a car, um, you know, you can, and you can hop on transit um, and access your daily needs, that cuts down on the, the cost of living significantly. Yeah. And, and it's probably worth pointing out, too, that most trips are taken in a single occupant vehicle as well. So it's it's a very underutilized mode of transportation as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, mass transit, rapid transit. Um, it sounds like the, the Linkus plan is to move forward with BRT. Can you tell us a little yes. bit about what BRT means to someone that might not have heard that term before um, and why we're taking that route instead of uh, a fixed rail system like a light rail system or something like that? Yes, that's a great question. So uh, BRT stands for Bus Rapid Transit. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of people get hung up, can get hung up on the B part, which is the bus. Yep. But I like to emphasize the rapid yeah. in transit. So Bus Rapid Transit. Yeah. And it is a high-capacity, premium uh, transport transit service with uh, amenities, many of the same amenities you will see in a light rail uh, mode. Mm-hmm. And um, it... You know, there's multi-level boarding, there's off-board, bear, off-board fare collection, 
Uh, they also will have a modern design, modern station designs, you know, a much more robust and uh, place to catch the to get on the transit uh, line, you know, more not just a you know a sign in in the ground um, in the middle of grass. Um, and it also has dedicated lanes, so dedicated right of way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that means a transit only lane. Uh, it would have a transit uh, signal priority. So as the transit vehicle pr- approaches an intersection, you know, they can uh, have com- that you know high technology uh, communication where it can talk to the signal mm-hmm. and it, you know it can get the priority green while the other vehicles, single occupancy vehicles, have to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yes, we are looking at bus rapid transit, and um, I think the the question of um, that bus rapid transit has been identified for the three corridors that are in development currently. So that would be West Broad, East Main, and the Northwest Corridor, which is primarily Olentangy River Road. Gotcha. Um, and we, I, sh- and I also should start with. Um, each of those corridors were studied separately and looked at uh, what mode makes sense mm-hmm. for this corridor. Um, light rail was considered for each of those corridors, and um, bus rapid transit was identified, I think, for um, a couple different reasons. So, first of all, it's cost. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I recall um, Shannon Hardin maybe in one of our recent interviews with him talking about how, you know, j- just being responsible with taxpayer dollars, you know. With a, a very large investment like that, you can either get one light rail line or you get an entire BRT system. It's like multiple degrees of cost between the two types of systems. Yes, and I'm off the top of my head, I, yeah. So BR, the typical, like on a cost per mile basis, mm-hmm. the typical BRT system is about 20% of the cost of a fixed rail okay. system. So yeah. it's like a yes. 5X exactly return. yeah 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 so so that's a big you know was a big component mm-hmm. of of the, um you know the decision to to look at brt but i think more importantly when we look at like the benefits that we get from bus rapid transit and light rail they're largely similar mm-hmm. and um you know i will point to cleveland which has a, a bus rapid transit system yeah and um you know, they their, their original pro their B, original BRT program cost about fifty million, mm-hmm. and that investment has delivered one hundred and fourteen and a half million gained for every dollar spent on their BRT implementation. Nice. And so, do you know how that measurement's gained? Is that like transit oriented development, or is that exactly just e- economic impact? Yes. So, yeah. so it's the value of office space. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, the value of office space within a quarter mile of their that BRT line is 18% higher okay. than comparable space outside uh-huh. of of the um, you know within walk outside of the walking distance of the BRT. Yeah. So you know just looking at you know, new new jobs generated. Um, so so yeah so the so the imp- the impacts and benefits that we gain from BRT are very similar, um, and as well as you know the. Um, I mentioned the dedicated right away with mm-hmm. with BRT, yeah. and that's and I sh- and I should say that you know we're looking at BRT now, and you know we can expect all of the benefits, and that's not to say that sometime in the future, um, you know we couldn't explore options for light rail. Sure. Um, yeah. You know that's it doesn't preclude mm-hmm. uh, that from happening, um, and I will also mention the. Um, you know, we have to, we're partnering with the FTA, the Federal Transit Administration, to fund the um, the BRT, and you know that's a large. Per- we're depending on uh, federal investment for a large portion of um, 
funding, the funding the transit system. And so when working with the FTA, you know, they want to see a level of density to support uh, ridership of, of the transit corridor. And so um, when looking at the different levels of density, uh, it was determined that bus rapid transit was the most appropriate for um, based on some of their criteria for um, identifying which um, funding levels are they're, they're willing to, <laughs> to invest. Nice, nice. Um, on Columbus Underground, we, we talked to a lot of people about a, a lot of the different plans going on. There was a, a Rapid 5 update the other day. Um, we've been talking to folks about the ongoing downtown development plans. Uh, there's the Zone In initiative to upgrade the city zoning mm-hmm. code. Um, how do all of those sort of tie in to link us? Are you working with those different community partners to make sure that everyone is sort of in, in sync with all yes. these different plans? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think, you know, we're so much of link us that we, we're talking about is investment in transportation, you know, mm-hmm. investment in uh, bus rapid transit, investment in bike and pedestrian infrastructure to support that um, investment. But the, the other the other piece of the puzzle is really the development side and uh, making sure that we have a development that, that transit serves the, the development, but that the development is supporting the transit as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, you mentioned zone in. Uh, the zone in team has prioritized the Link Us corridors mm-hmm. as they look at updating the zoning code as the city mm-hmm. updates the zoning code. So looking at um, you know our our the the form and function of the development in those corridors. So yeah. um, are the buildings you know cl- close to the street where you can you, know, you don't have to walk down a driveway half mm-hmm. a mile just mm-hmm. to get to your final destination. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we are also working with other jurisdictions along each of the corridors, um, working with CODA and um, applying for we've applied for a, um, a grant some grant funding to develop a um, equitable transit oriented development policy and tool I should say. Um, so it's so a tool to really help the, the ju- local jurisdictions um, up, look, look at and update their land use policies as needed to um, support the investment. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the Linkus program touches more than just Columbus. Right. Where the yeah. zone in is Columbus specific. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what what happens next? What, what, what are we going to see? When, when are things going to start happening or being announced? Sure. Well, we, we've been working on, on this for... You know, almost three years now. Yeah. Um, the partners, you know, Coda, Morpsey, the mm-hmm. City of Columbus, mm-hmm. Franklin County, and as, as you mentioned, all all the jurisdictions. And so, um, we are going to um, you know keep working on developing uh, the design of these corridors. We're working with all the jurisdictions on um, identifying a, fu- a funding source for um, the transit supportive infrastructure component, which I know I think you're going to hear more about from my colleague. Excellent. Um, And so I think what's next is um, we're really just doing things like this, trying to um, talk to the community, um, you know, understand um, what, how, how we, how this initiative can benefit everybody. And, um, you know, we really just share, share the information and um, keep moving forward. Cool. (laughs) Well, Maria, thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us your, your name and title? Neil Juris. I am the Communications and Engagement Senior Director at MORPC, the Middle Ohio Regional Planning Commission. Um, so for anyone who is unfamiliar 
with what Linkus is. Uh, can you give us kind of a, an overview? Sure. It's a transportation development initiative that was created in partnership with CODA, um, Morpsey, the city of Columbus, Franklin County, that addresses the uh, growing housing and transportation demands of the region. And so um, the Linkus Mobility Initiative is a faster, more reliable public transportation uh, network. Um, it's it creates safer, uh, more expanded bike and uh, pedestrian paths, more walkable communities. It really connects the community uh, together to more access to affordable housing, um, to have people go to and from work, uh, appointments, and recreation. It's just a better mode of transportation to get people where they need to go. And most importantly, um, this mobility initiative is about equity. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that's a core value that's important to all of us that are involved. But it's really ensuring that everybody in the region has more access to affordable, faster, reliable uh, transportation options. Cool. I, I know something uh, of this magnitude in the region, um, I know a lot of what you uh, work on involves a lot of community input, public mm -hmm. input processes. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what's been done to gather community input uh, for the first couple of years? Sure. So we've uh, been working on this probably for the last three going on four years. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're probably maybe in the second phase of the um, the community engagement. The first one was more or less just trying to get the information out to different stakeholders. And so in doing so, um, we participated in a variety of events ranging from um, 614 Day, the African American uh, Male Wellness Walk, and really Anything that Morpsey is participating in from a grassroots community um, initiative, there will always be some information at our table or booth on LinkUs. And it's really an opportunity us to ask people, do they know what it is? Um, and then we explain it to them. And I think once we explain how it's a little bit different than what we currently have mm -hmm. and how it'll connect in the future, I think then they become a little bit more excited about it. Yeah. Um, so we've held a number of also... Um, like we've done presentations at commissions. Um, we've also held um, a community stakeholder meeting, um, and we attracted probably over 100 people. It was over capacity, which is great, <laughs> because that uh, demonstrated that there was a genuine interest in wanting to learn. And so for, sure, yeah. um, for that particular stakeholder meeting, it was, hel it was uh, held here at Morpsey, and it was um, hosted by uh, Councilwoman Lourdes Barroso de Padilla, and... Um, the Columbus Urban League president, Stephanie Hightower. Mm -hmm. And so it was a really good opportunity to kind of, for um, Councilwoman um, Borroso de Padilla to share her story and um, also to really answer questions and just present kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, you mentioned stakeholders a couple of times, and mm -hmm. I know Morpsey uh, herds a lot of cats. There's there's a lot of a lot of different municipalities and groups and yes. organizations. Um, who are some of the stakeholders involved in Linkos? Sure. So in addition to Morpsey, City of Columbus, CODA, and Franklin County, we also have the Franklin County Engineer's Office, Central Ohio Greenways, uh, Metro Parks. If we're looking at service organizations and nonprofits, um, we have the Columbus Urban League, Affordable Housing Trust, Rapid Five. Mm -hmm. We also have the um, in the private sector, it's One Columbus Partnership, uh, the Columbus Black CEO uh, Collective, and a variety of developers. And then um, for alternative um, transportation mobility, Yay Bikes, mm -hmm. uh, Transit Columbus, and faith-based communities are among some of the. Uh, I would say key stakeholders, if you will. Yeah, nice. 
Um, sounds like the whole community, basically, <laughs> basically right? Yeah, <laughs> we would love to love it for it to be that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know a lot of the um, initial planning for this got started before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's been some pivoting along the way. Can you tell us a little bit about what maybe what's changed? You know, has that affected our growth? You know, what yeah. what what's changed with the plan since then? I would say, you know, of course, during the uh, pandemic, much like everyone else, we we had to shift from in-person to virtual meetings. Um, during that time, I think we did a lot more listening mm-hmm. um, and engagement through, um, you know, digital engagement, just kind of looking at people's comments on social media, um, getting feedback on different um, aspects of Link Us. Um, we also kind of heard during this time that people want more transportation options. Mm-hmm. Probably because during the pandemic, they had more time to think about what they wanted. Uh, They had less distractions. I mean, we still worked, but we were able to do it, uh, many of us, I won't say all of us, in the Mm. comfort of our homes. So that gave us a lot of time to be a little bit introspective. Um, So since we, um, you know, we're kind of getting back to where we used to be before the pandemic, Mm. we're back to grassroots. We're back to um, engaging people, trying to meet people where they're at because, of the digital divide, we can't do a whole campaign on social media or expect people to go to our website. We have to be out talking to people, and so we're back to that. So what we're trying to do is get people excited and re-engaged in the process so mm-hmm. they can help us spread the word. Cool. Uh, I know we're eventually heading into the colder months here in a little <laughs> bit, but are there any um, upcoming opportunities for continued public input if people want to still be a part of the process? Yes, absolutely. Um, so we do have um, plans to uh, go to some of the commission meetings and council meetings. Um, we're uh, meeting with businesses, and one of the things we're going to do is re-engage that stakeholder group I mentioned a short while ago, and we are also looking to engage with some businesses and continue with the uh, meeting with developers and so really uh, we love any of the partners we love the opportunity to present information um, to you know anyone's organization so if people are interested and really want to learn more I mean civic associations we'd be happy to do that presentation I think that's kind of the next thing we'll continue to do as well as simplify our message Mm -hmm. Um, I know sometimes it can be a little bit technical but I think if we really explain the benefits and how it really works I think people will really um, find value in what we're trying to do and get excited about it and that's really what we want cool Um, a lot of folks I know myself included are you know sort of self-defined transit nerds you know uh, geeking out about this stuff whether it's improving bike lanes bus rapid transit um, and they're the kind of people that like want to really get hands-on and really get involved beyond just filling out a survey or you know th- that that sort of a thing, which is, which is important. Mm-hmm. But um, are there other ways you know they can advocate or you know uh, really help spread the word on this? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Uh, <laughs> um, one of the things that we want to try to get people to be our Link Us ambassadors. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, getting the information, uh, sharing it with their organizations, their businesses, their networks, and really just um, in informing people about the importance of this new and much needed transformative um, transportation and housing initiative. And I say housing and transportation because they're going all, there's some integration between that. And sure. so we can't like overlook that connection. Um, we also, there's also a monthly uh, newsletter on the Linka's uh, Columbus.com website. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's monthly. It's a digital um, newsletter and you can sign up and get all the updates. Um, you know, 
social media, following on social media, and really I believe you can request, again, to have uh, representatives or members of the um, partners or stakeholder groups come out and do presentations or answer any questions. And then as a transit enthusiast, mm -hmm. I would encourage you to uh, tap into your transportation networks, mm -hmm. be vocal about um, you know, what this change could mean, uh, how it can create a better, um, you know, uh, region, environment, and really improve the quality of life, not only for you, but for everyone uh, across the region in the community. Cool. Uh, Neil, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Can you tell us your name and title just to kick things off? Yes, uh, I'm Elliot Lewis. I'm a senior planner here at Morpsey. Cool. Um, so for anyone uh, tuning in, maybe for the first time, uh, and not knowing anything about Linkus, tell us in your words, uh, what, what is Linkus all about? Linkus is about expanding mobility options for everyone everywhere uh, through multimodal. So everyone hears Linkus, Linkus, and if they know a little bit about it, they hear about the high capacity of rapid transit, you know, the, the, the bus rapid transit corridors, but it's so much more than that. You know, we're expanding uh, other bus service by like almost half, like 40% at least. Um, but it's not even that too. It's, it's, you have more frequent buses, more bus lines. You have um, Coda Plus, which is a demand response uh, type of mode. But you also have all the things that get you to the transit. I mean, it's great to have more buses, but if you can't get to them, <laughs> then they're not you know, that useful. So right. a portion of that uh, that I'm uh, helping to manage is the transit supportive infrastructure portion. And that's all the, the sidewalks, the trails, uh, the crosswalks, everything that you know, gets you from the bus to your destination and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, it's the, that first mile, last mile connection that's really critical when you look at the totality of mobility. Cool. Yeah, that, that kind of leads directly into my next question, which was, you know, kind of beyond the experience on the bus or the, mm -hmm. the bus rapid transit. Um, what does this program mean for sidewalk improvements, crosswalk improvements, uh, maybe, you know, safer crossings, especially mm -hmm. in some of these really wide uh, corridors like Broad Street? Is that is that a part of the, the plan? Absolutely. Uh, anywhere and everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, just imagine, I mean, I'm sure you've ridden the bus or driven around or rode your bike around uh, in some very dangerous places or have uh, gone along a roadway and seen like a worn path mm -hmm. where a sidewalk could be or you look and, oh, there's a bus stop, but it's just a sign mm -hmm. on the side of mm -hmm. the road. No place to sit. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, upgrading, you know, transit stop amenities, you know, put, getting at least a bench or somewhere to where, you know, okay, you can get to this stop. Now you can sit at this stop and it's a bit more comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, and thankfully through this, you won't have to wait as long because you'll be more frequent buses too. Uh, but yeah, so it's getting all of that, you know, linked together. Cool. So talking a little bit, you know, when a lot of times we're looking at these kinds of plans, it's from the 40,000 foot view. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about what it feels like from the user point of view? Um, we spoke a little bit uh, previously with Maria and Neil about um, you know, the, the off board uh, ticketing process and mm -hmm. kind of waiting areas and, and uh, platform you know, levels. Can you tell us a little more about uh, th those positive experiences for users? Yeah, so when we're talking about upgrading buses, upgrading stations. Mm -hmm. We're doing it to upgrade the convenience and upgrade the dignity of the traveler. Mm -hmm. uh, so you are having spaces that are more sheltered from the elements, mm -hmm. you know, that are heated, that have more information, helpful information. So you know, okay, well, if I need to get on another bus, it's a lot easier to know where you're going to go. 
uh, and how long it's going to get there, too. Uh, and so all of that is tied together uh, in those stops. Um, but again, with the transit supportive infrastructure portion, uh, now you actually have a sidewalk to where you don't have to trudge through the mud mm-hmm. and the snow as much to get to that nice, new, shiny stop. Uh, or a bike path, you can uh, very easily get from, you, know, you can roll your bike right on the bus you know, take it somewhere and get right on the greenways yeah. somewhere. and have So instead of mounting it on the front of the bus, which is a time-consuming process, exactly. straight on. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Nice. Um, what about uh, uh, technology for this, like apps, things like that? You know, will, will this tap into existing systems potentially for, like, uh, ridership cards? You know, when I get on the bus, I scan the QR code on my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or will there be new apps for that sort yeah, of every, stuff? Everything will still be integrated in the, the uh, apps they are now, like mm-hmm. the Transit app mm-hmm. uh, that Coda has partnered with. Uh, everything will be rolled into that just to make it more seamless for people who are already used to using Coda. Uh, cool. Um, one of the questions, uh, Brent, our urban development writer and, and uh, transit writer, wanted me to ask... Um, was about you know the, the, with the focus being on these corridors, what sort of uh, advantages will users who don't live directly on those corridors see through the Linkus program? Yes, that's a that's a big key, and that's something that yeah. you know I, I what's, make. What's in it for me? What's it, what's right? in it for you? But I mean, what's yeah. in it for you know people who are several blocks away, several miles away mm-hmm. from these corridors? So uh, mentioned earlier that there are so many uh, you know increased frequencies of existing routes new routes being proposed Mm -hmm. and so you might live maybe a mile away from a bus route now yeah here but pretty soon you'll be living maybe a quarter mile away from one that comes every 15 minutes Mm -hmm. which would be fantastic uh but even if you're further away than that you know the the program that i'm over to uh we are we want to use it to increase access to transit but also build um non-motorized active transportation uh, use all throughout the CODA service area. And we want to see all the connections to our greenways. We want to foster that culture that, okay, I don't need to hop onto or into my car to go from A to B today. Mm. And that with that, okay, well, now this is an option that I can use for other trips. And so letting that be an option everywhere and then having that sort of just lift the culture of you know active transportation and multimodalism, uh, you know, helps to improve that everywhere. Yeah, would you say that part of the um, uh, benefit or, or initiative is to uh, reduce barriers to entry? I feel I feel like you know if if you want to walk, you know, whether there's a sidewalk or not, you can walk, but it reduces the ability for a lot of people to do it if they're you know disabled or elderly or just don't feel safe doing that sort of thing. And so the same sort of thing with the bus, like, sure, I can ride the bus, but if it's inconvenient, you know, uh, the, the shelter isn't really the nicest, it's raining outside, that sort of stuff. Do you, th- do you think that these kinds of improvements will just help increase ridership because it, it removes barriers to entry? Absolutely. I mean, who wants to go out and <laughs> wait on a corner for an hour because you just missed the bus and, oh, no, it starts raining and, oh, no, you don't have somewhere to sit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately, people do have to do that. Mm-hmm. So we're not, you know, proposing to do this just to attract new riders, but mm-hmm. also to make the existing experiences more, you know, just that much better for mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that's that's something that we want to do is just to make this 
less of a burden on people and mm-hmm. where possible, you know, more interesting mm-hmm. and more fun and more comfortable. Yeah, almost a point of pride as well. Yes. I mean, if these are nicer stations, it, it, it sort of adds a bit more dignity, I think, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. We, we look at some of our peer cities uh, across the nation who have done these things. And, you know, that becomes, like you said, a point of pride in their communities. They said, oh, man, we've got this really cool thing that you don't. <laughs> Nice. And we don't want to be the you don't anymore. Yeah, some good bragging rights. <laughs> um, so what comes next in the process, uh, you know, for, for what you're working on or ways that people can can be involved in this? Yeah, so we are, uh, with the Transit Supportive Infrastructure, the TSI mm-hmm. portion of it, mm-hmm. we are working with each of our local jurisdictions, over 40 different jurisdictions and um, different, different working groups and different committees to identify sort of the first fruits of what projects that we could deliver with um, th- through this uh, initiative. Mm-hmm. And so we have been uh, sitting down literally at this table and other tables, uh, multiple jurisdictions coming together and like actually collaborating and yeah. not competing yeah. to figure out what connections can we make within our uh, communities, but also between. You know, we, how do we get from Grandview Heights to Columbus? How do yeah. we go you know, from Reynoldsburg out? All of these uh, things have been a big process, I'll say that. Um, a lot of coordination, but a lot of productivity to do that. So what we're doing right now is we are identifying those priority projects within our communities, within the code of service area, to identify and to prioritize and to develop as we go into next year and beyond uh, to uh, you know, show that, oh, this is what is going to be built in your neighborhood on your street. Cool. That's really awesome. So we end every episode of the Confluence Cast with uh, a question, a set of questions. Um, what do you think Columbus is doing well, and what do you think Columbus is doing not so well? Well, I'm going to start with the well. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think Great. Columbus is, in my opinion, doing well about being honest about what it's not doing well. Okay. Uh, I know yeah. it's a roundabout way of saying it. But I like seeing, because uh, I've moved here just about two years ago okay. uh, from Chicago, and I'm originally from West Virginia, too. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, on the ends of the spectrum of <laughs> rural versus urban. And uh, I really like the, the idiosyncratic kind of uh, neurosis <laughs> here in Columbus, because mm-hmm. everyone's like, Columbus should be this, Columbus should be that. But yeah, no one can yeah, ever yeah. really describe what Columbus is. Right. And in a way, I kind of like that mm-hmm. uh, because it is sort of a, a blank slate, if you will, mm-hmm. or at least something that uh, is a different canvas to different people. Yeah, and yeah. and you can set off and do you know, something that not you might necessarily be able to do in a larger or smaller place and be pigeonholed somehow. Gotcha. So we're open to ideas and change and that sort exactly. of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So what is Columbus doing not so well? Well. <laughs> uh, it's something that unfortunately we can't change but uh, I just got back from Denver uh-huh. I'm from West Virginia I love the mountains I'm yep. a born and raised mountaineer yeah. and boy if I don't miss those hills uh, <laughs> but we have some really great ravines uh, some varied topography that I love running through mm-hmm. um, the, the Quarry Metro Park the has Quarry a Metro l- Park. little bit of topography yes. there yeah. yes so it's not all you know flat farmland thankfully yeah. Yeah. well the usual host of this podcast Tim Fulton uh, is back on a big kick about Columbus building a mountain. There was an initiative uh, probably 10, 15 years ago on this topic, and so maybe that will be a future episode. Maybe. Yeah. Cool. Th- thanks again for joining us. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite commuter. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.